another episode of the Fantasy Football Universe, and BC Steel just graced us with his presence. He laid it down. He stole the Roundhouse theme song, which I'm a big fan of. Maybe from here on out, do you think it's feasible that we could potentially move on from the Roundhouse theme song to a different one? Uh, you know, I may not have another theme song ending, uh, but I do have another send-off. Well, we could do, like, step-by-step, step, maybe Perfect Strangers. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just spitballing here. I can be Balky. You could be Larry. Uh, <laughs> are you familiar with the show? I am. Uh, if Good. I'm, I was hoping so. On the One Step Forward podcast, I actually use the intro and outro. Uh, oh, as standing tall. That so, one. It, yes, and if you'd like, you and I could do the dance of joy. Well, I mean, I'd just prefer to just sing the song and call it a podcast. <laughs> you know what? I don't think that'll help uh, listenership. No, I don't either, but is that really what we're after? No, no, wait, never mind. That is what we're after. I forget sometimes. I, I, I keep jostling back and forth between this just being something I do for my own humor and remembering that this is something we're trying to do to make money. Or, I mean, uh, you know, give advice or whatever, but let's face it, it's all about, it's all about money. It's all about it's that all, action, boss. It's all about the Benjamins, as one Sean Puff Daddy Diddy Combs once said. Well, that's why I like to say I'm a bad boy like I like Diddy. That's that's me. I'm a bad boy like Diddy. DFS, did you play a lot this weekend? You know what? The last two weeks, I haven't played much. And this past week, I remembered why. Because after the 4 o'clock games, I was, 4, 4.30 games, I was very happy and very excited. I felt good. Uh, I felt full of joy and excitement. And then once Monday night was done, I felt anger and rage. <laughs> so yeah. I completely messed the bed. Completely. It's it's completely messed. Well, I, I kind of told you that I, over the last couple of weeks, because football is both the easiest and the most difficult sport to play in the fact that it is reasonably I don't want to say easy. I feel like that's a really bad way to kind of verbalize it. But you can typically see who is going to excel and who is not. And it's just a matter of getting them in the in the same lineup because a lot of the times those guys who you're like, oh, yeah, they're going to have a good game, you can only maybe fit two of them into your lineups. So I've really revolutionized how I play over the last two weeks. And it's been done to I, – I wouldn't qualify it as like extreme excess, but I've been able to double my money – in tournaments, it's important to, to, to notate that I'm playing tournaments and doubling my money. It's one thing to say I played cash games and I beat half the field, but I played tournaments and I'm doubling my money. And I, I have a pretty good system that isn't necessarily appropriate for the podcast, but it's pretty obvious. You just have to find plays that you're really confident about and you can't be afraid about. So I think you and I, Ben, I really haven't talked to you much about this, and I know I'm jumping around a lot. But I think that one of the problems both you and I had in Daily Fantasy, and I, and I do this all the time, even though I'm quote-unquote good, I've won a fair amount of money, I'm over the you know six figures in, in what I've brought in from Daily Fantasy, but I suffer from like the same type of stupidity again and again and again. And a lot of the times it comes down to, I want to try to get way more exposure to people than I need to. And I'm not talking about like, I'm rostering someone at like 80%. I'm talking about the fact that I try to play like 25 or 30 different wide receivers. Over the past two weeks, I've really cut it down to the point where I found like, okay, two weeks ago I was like Aaron Rodgers, 50% of my lineups, no questions asked. 
This week I kind of advanced that a little bit, and I said, okay, I'm going Ben Roethlisberger in, in 40%, I'm going Marcus Mariota in 40%, and I'm dabbling um, mostly Kim Newton and Rodgers, as well as a little bit of Semyon, Wentz, and Breeze in my lineups. I'm doing 50% David Johnson, 60% Antonio Brown, 40% Ezekiel Elliott, 60% Zach Ertz. On FanDuel, 100% Brandon McManus. And i got to tell you, doing it that way over the last two weeks has really worked out well for me. Well, you are the the expert uh, in DFS. I am a mere novice throwing myself on the the DFS altar of Nick from CWE. I will say, however, when I fully listen to you, I normally do better, but then I think I actually know something, and then it goes off the rails, as we've seen the last two weeks. Well, and it's kind of interesting because, as silly as it sounds, I... I can't know any more than anybody else because with fantasy football, there's so much more information out there than there is with any other sport. One of the things I'm most embarrassed about, and I really don't have any reason to be, I guess, but the only like big multi-entry tournament I've ever won is baseball. And I'm embarrassed about this every day because it's the only sport I do not care about. Like, I really try with the NFL. I really try with the NBA. I mean, my wife, and at some point potentially ex-wife because of my habits of watching the NBA all night. Like, I sit and I study the NBA. And I've still yet, I've come close. I've had a couple, like, third, seventh, eighth, ninth place finishes. But I've been unable to take down a massive, I'm talking like 50,000 plus, Football, basketball, hockey tournament. It's just been it's just been major league baseball so far that I've had success with. But I I do think I'm really excited about this week. I think part of it is I'm excited because of the success that I've had in the past two weeks. And my assumption is that I think I can get it to carry over. Uh, if you go to researchfantasy.com on Monday, I'd already put up. Not necessarily a pick-by-pick breakdown, but I did highlight who I who were my favorite picks of the week. And we can start to go into that a little bit now. Uh, quarterback is an interesting position, and it's also one that I like to try to get a pretty limited exposure in. Um, this week, I think that... Most of my lineups are going to be built around two people, and that is going to be, ironically enough, two people that played in the Sunday Night Football game. So I think I'm going to be running a lot of Tom Brady and a lot of Russell Wilson. And BC, you could tell me if I'm being silly, and and maybe you really don't know. And it's not the kind of don't know in terms of, like, you don't have the knowledge to know as much as it is that it seems like it's a silly premise but it feels like it could be true at the same time. Really, for both of these guys, I want to roster Tom Brady because I do not believe that LeGarrette Blunt is going to pre- repeat a three-touchdown performance. Also, the passing offense didn't look great. Seattle did enough to stop Tom Brady. I don't think that sits well with him. I believe in playing the 49ers, it has always been the preferential route to go to kind of target running backs against them. I don't play cash games anymore in in uh, 
at the NFL. But in terms of, of tournaments, I like the idea of calling Tom Brady against the 49ers defense because they're really bad. And I just don't view LeGarrette Blunt as being able to replicate that again and again and again. And in terms of Russell Wilson, and we'll get to someone else a little bit later, and I know I'm not like leaving too much up for uh, discernment. You're going to figure it out pretty quick. But I think when Russell Wilson starts to get hot, you should just ride it. Do you think I'm wrong with taking either of those approaches? And if I am, which one am I wrong with? Well, Brady, I don't think anybody's going to doubt uh, the Brady theory. I love all New England players this week. Uh, San Francisco is Patty Poop D uh, to to censor it for our uh, our PG related listeners. The last two weeks, Russell Wilson has done really well going up against New England and Buffalo. We're talking Fanduel here: twenty six point five against New England, twenty six point three against Buffalo. And to interrupt you, can we agree that those aren't like bad defenses? No, no, definitely not. They're middle of the pack, but they're definitely not bad. Here's the thing. Against New Orleans, he only put up 10.2 points, and they are bad. So No, but, uh, but BC, I've said all year, and you can sift through the stats for yourself, basically the only two quarterbacks this year that have done good against New Orleans have been Cam Newton and Colin Kaepernick, and they share similar traits in the fact that they get it done on the ground. Other than that, from Trevor Simeon to Alex Smith to Matt Ryan – None of these guys have put up big outings against New Orleans. I think the Matt Ryan uh, New Orleans game probably lost a lot of people money and lost a lot of. Of course money. it did, but the reality of the situation is New Orleans is so bad that if you have the good running game, you don't need the quarterback. Well, that's true. That's a good point. There, uh, you're not looking at. Uh, it's it's not a case where, and and I won't use this as maybe a direct explanation but Pittsburgh has a, a great run defense and a horrendous pass defense. New Orleans they don't have a great run defense but it's not bottom of the league. I mean it's it's middle bottom I guess you would say but it's not like a, a 29th or 30th there. I think 18th or 19th is what I saw against the rush. So it's really weird because when you look at it you would think that they would be taking on uh, just getting hit repeatedly like you know Pittsburgh but uh, as you pointed out, that doesn't seem to be the case. So I understand your logic there. There are a few other quarterbacks I like this week. Um, as far as their ownership, I think Marcus Mariota is going to have very high ownership. That said, is there a quarterback who is hotter right now than him that you can think that you would? No, no there really isn't. I mean, I'm looking through the list here, and I mean, I, I don't want to focus too much on Thursday or Monday night because – you're not seeing as much of the big money there, but Aaron Rodgers. They, you know, I know I mentioned James Starks in our previous podcast, and I'm still a believer in James Starks. I think he could get it done, but I really, I mean, when I watched that game, and I was a guy like I just told you, I mean, I was 40% Roethlisberger, 40% Mariota, and that was, I don't want to necessarily say say that that was a ridiculously bold stance, but it was bold enough. Not an overwhelming amount of people rode the Marcus Mariota bandwagon. The Green Bay defense is bad right now. It is bad, bad. And so I think that it's even if Starks is a, 
The reason I like Starks is that he was always the guy who catches the passes out of the backfield, and that's going to be more important now than ever with this defense playing absolutely horrible. I still think Aaron Rodgers is a guy you have to look at. So this week, I mean, there's going to be probably, if I'm running 100 lineups, I'm probably going to have 10 Aaron Rodgers lineups. You know, moving down the list, I think, you know, Andrew Luck is playable, but he's not my favorite. Um, Marcus Mariota is playable, but I kind of just, I really do just wonder about his ability to continue to put up good performances. I'm not looking at, um, I'm not looking at Kirk Cousins despite how bad I just said the Green Bay defense was. Uh, For for a lot of the point, I mean, that's pretty much where I'm stopping. I, I think this could be a week where I really do end up going like 60%. Who did I say? Let me let me see. Sixty percent like Tom Brady, maybe thirty uh, percent. Um, yeah, I can't even remember who I said I was going to go. Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson. Yeah. So okay, let me rephrase that. It's probably going to be like fifty percent Brady, forty percent Wilson, and ten percent broken between. Let's say like Roethlisberger, and I want to say, hey, let's run Matthew Stafford. The Jacksonville pass defense hasn't been horrible, but the problem is that Jim Bob Cooter has this offense running so efficiently that you're really not seeing. Stafford could throw four touchdowns, but have like 200 yards. Well, there is one more name I'll throw out, and you actually mentioned him on the uh, the waiver wire podcast. That's Tyrod Taylor going up against the Cincinnati Bengals. We saw what Eli Manning did to them. Uh, granted, Tyrod Taylor doesn't have uh, Shepard or a Odell Beckham to throw to. However, Tyrod Taylor has been pretty solid this year, and I think if you're looking at a guy who is going to be uh, inexpensive, well, quote-unquote inexpensive, he's 7300 say a lower-tier price, I think that's the guy you look at if you're going to go that route. Yeah, I'm not going to argue with you. I don't, I, I don't hate that at all. Is there anyone else that running back that you're like, oh, you got to have well, at running back, maybe, but uh, Tyrod Taylor is a quarterback. A quarterback, so yeah, I'm sorry. Still, You know what? It's that, that week when I mentioned the uh, the Dallas Texans. It just totally threw everything off kilter. So, um, But no, quarterback, there's nobody else that really uh, tickles my fancy. There, there's an old term. You used jiggery-pokery, I'll use tickle my fancy, and we'll both get on the trolley. So. Uh, Going to running back, do you have a two or three that you're thinking of as you are with quarterback? Yeah, I mean, for me, you know, at first glance, I think it's really easy and probably appropriate to just lock in Le'Veon Bell. I mean, I don't want to necessarily say I've been an apologist for Cleveland all year, but I've definitely put them over as a team that's rebuilding and they asterisk could you know, be this or that, but they've really just proven to be a, a huge disappointment. And perhaps, it, and it's not even perhaps. I'm willing. I'm willing to take culpability of this. I see the potential of what they drafted, and just assume that that potential is going to be an immediate factor. And it is just absolutely not. I have a cousin who, I mean, I love him, but. I'm going to probably tag him in this post because, you know, I'm not a back-down type of guy. But he's a Browns fan, and he's one of those fans. He's one of those bitching and whining fans. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. 
you probably don't necessarily, even though the Steelers are doing poorly because it's not something that they've been prone to do over the last 10 years or so, um, I personally don't want to see Mike Tomlin there anymore. I, I think that he's kind of like, to, in, in my opinion, he's kind of shown some things to me that, that don't have me as a believer of his long-term ability to steer this ship in the right direction, but that's neither here nor there. Anyway, at, at the draft time last year, and you might have even participated in some of these conversations, my uncle was like vociferous about the fact, it's my cousin, my cousin was vociferous about the fact that the Browns should take Carson Wentz. That they were stupid for dropping down from two. They should have took Carson Wentz. Okay, a couple of, you know, once the draft got started, he was really vociferous about the fact that at five they needed to take Paxton Lynch. Lynch, you and I both know that Paxton Lynch could have been had by the Browns if they wanted to, considering they ended up taking, I think they did end up taking two first-round selections, correct? Yes. So they could have had him. So there was, and, and not to mention the fact that Denver was the only one who said, oh, we should probably trade up to get this guy. So that means 31 other teams were like, eh, we, we'll let him fall into the second round. If we get him, we get him. Eh, and, and you saw how he played on the field. It, it didn't look great. You know, Memphis, he did great. But let's not kid ourselves. Memphis isn't playing Alabama. They're not playing Michigan. They're not playing Washington. They're not playing Ohio State. They're playing more of a watered-down schedule. So it's tough to say that Memphis, a quarterback coming from Memphis, is a great kid that we want to invest in. And then, now that Ezekiel Elliott has been doing well, he's been pissing and moaning about the Browns not taking Ezekiel Elliott. And I've tried to step in and said, I really believe that the Browns took the right direction. And quite frankly and honestly, the Browns have no business in trying to select first. If they go 0-16, they need to drop that pick. My biggest concern is that there's nobody worth taking at number one. And it might force the Browns to have to take Miles Garrett. But in terms of quarterback, I love Deshaun Kaiser, but he's not better than Cody Kessler. I really can honestly say that. I love Deshaun Watson. He's not better than Cody Kessler. I love Brad Kaya. Well, I don't love Brad Kaya, but still, he's not better than uh, Cody Kessler. Browns are in a really tough position here. Um, But they're they're not good right now. I feel like as long as Haslam allows Hugh Jackson and all of the management to stay put for like five years, this team could be a good team. But people just don't get the fact that rebuilding means rebuilding. It doesn't mean you can fire a coach every two years because when a coach comes in, he wants his players. So that means he's going to get a, he's going to, going to get rid of a lot of the existing stock of players and he's going to draft people or sign free agents that he thinks best fit the culture. So the Browns' biggest issue is the fact that they recycle coaches far too often. Haslam has to understand that he needs to keep this coaching staff in place. With that all said, this defense is not good right now. It's susceptible. I'd love to say, hey, run Ben and Antonio Brown. Just not really convinced that Ezekiel Elliott doesn't break off like three 60-yard runs for touchdowns. So he's my top guy in terms of who I'm looking at this week. The Rams are moving from Case Keenum to Jared Goff, which they had to do. I mean, you know, you draft a guy for first in the draft, you can't have him sitting on the bench all year. You're going to laugh at me. And in, in, in regards to tournaments, Todd Gurley is a guy I really like. You know, I that's that's the guy that I had an asterisk by that I wanted to talk about specifically, so I am with you. Please continue. Yeah, I just think it's one of those situations where, and, and again, you can look. It, a lot of, a, a lot of th- you know, Statistics do say a lot, 
But one of the first things I learned about NBA Daily Fantasy, and I know this is an NFL podcast, is you can't just trust the stats. You have to watch. Teams play differently. And I brought this up when I wrote my article about how to play NBA Daily Fantasy at the beginning of the year. So stats. Let's talk about stats for a second. A stat could say that a team is ranked number one in defense against power forwards, right? But we have to understand that all power forwards aren't created equal, right? There's traditional Zach Randolph types who like to, you know, crash the rim. Their focus is kind of that 10-foot or closer shot, preferably the closer to the rim the better, and they like to rebound. But what about a guy like Kevin Love who plays that same position who prefers to post up on the outside and shoot three-pointers? Clearly, we can't put them both in the same grouping because they're not the same type of player. So I, I think that oftentimes we start to look at players and situations in the wrong way and statistics can become far more... We, we tend to make them far more important than what we actually see on video. Now, I've watched, because I'm trying to figure out, as somebody who traded for Todd Gurley in a dynasty league, more or less, just quite frankly and honest, BC, I'm trying to figure out what the hell happened. Well, Why, why has he gotten to the point where he's at? Well, honestly, what it's becoming is, and this was one of the beliefs on Trent Richardson, which I don't buy into, uh, Trent Richardson proved that he is uh, not good. So, But the belief is that the Rams could make Todd Gurley Trent Richardson because they're putting eight in the box. And when you have eight in the box, I know that Todd Gurley is gifted, but that's not going to get it done. And Case Keenum, I think somebody referred to him as Kellen Clemens just without the skill or a poor man's Brian Hoyer, or a lot of other uh, not nice things to say about him, and they're not wrong. I think the thing with Todd Gurley is, and the uh, the reasoning behind wanting to start him, and if you have him in daily long, or excuse me, year long fantasy, stick with him, or now would be the time to trade for him. Can they get any worse at all with having Jared Goff in there? Well, what I saw when I watched him play is they do too much of one thing. Like you said, they stack eight in the box. What L.A. will do is they'll put a tight end there and then let the tight end run and let that extra defensive end crash the box. You know, how so happy... You have someone coming in from the backfield who's unguarded and you're like, I don't know why Todd Gurley can't get ahead. Well, you know what kind of play is being run. You know that you're not going to pass the ball. Why not keep the tight end to block? That's the guy who's tackling Todd Gurley nine out of ten times. It's not fucking rocket science at this point. It's just Jeff Fisher being an asshole. Because here's here's the case. Here's what happens. Coaches get into their head and they're like, I'm a good coach because I've been told I'm a good coach all along. I mean, everybody tells me I'm a good coach. But the reality of the situation is, and this is, again, I I hate, I I don't want to always cross sports, but it's happening in, in New York in professional basketball, where Phil Jackson, who's one of the most successful coaches in NBA history, has the Knicks looking like a bunch of assholes, because he wants to run this triangle offense that just isn't working, and he literally came out and said, well, if it isn't working, I'll know that it's not working. Really, asshole, how will you know your team continues to lose games? 
<laughs> you do have to know what happens when your team continues to lose games. You lose your job. I mean, this is not rocket science. These aren't things that 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 should that should take a think tank. It shouldn't take people with degrees from Harvard, MBAs from Yale to figure out. Jeff Fisher might have been a great coach, but if he is allowing a tight end to not block in sets where they know they're going to run, there's something wrong there. There's something fundamentally wrong with how this offense is being run. So you have one of two situations that happens. At some point, Jeff Fisher has to realize that, hey, I'm putting at risk the best running back with all due respect to Ezekiel Elliott. I still believe that Todd Gurley is the best pure running back in the NFL. I'm putting the best running back at risk because I'm being an asshole. Because I want to try to fool teams so bad that I'll send a tight end out into the field where there's no receivers but my or there's no defenders but my quarterback doesn't have the ball. I mean, you have to understand that that doesn't work, right? I get it. Do you get it? Uh, it makes perfect sense. I mean, I don't understand what his logic is, but regardless, it's flawed. However, I think that there's room for Gurley to work. And, and, and like I said at the beginning of this, maybe I'm being foolish. Perhaps I'm just saying to myself that clearly somebody with Jeff Fisher's pedigree is not going to let this stuff continue to happen. He can't. Well, you, There's no way he can continue well, Jeff to win this Jeff Fisher is very close to being the uh, coach with the most losses ever, so congratulations to him. Uh, there are other fantasy football pundits that do not like Jeff Fisher. But I will say in all this, and, I, and I'll get back to the running back topic at hand, Tennessee has to be really, really happy right now uh, with having the first-round pick of – the Rams and seeing them play absolutely horribly. The Titans aren't playing half bad right now. So that that's got to be a, a nice situation for them. Um, I'm going to throw a name out at you and because we've talked about some and, and we could go through the top five, but that's kind of, you know, common sense. And you brought it up on when we were talking quarterbacks of when you're taking the new Orleans defense, you don't need that rushing game or you don't need the pass because you've got the rush. So let me ask you, Jonathan Stewart, the last two weeks have been horrible. The two weeks before have been amazing. Is Jonathan Stewart that you're a guy that you're going to throw $7,000 out for in FanDuel? Well, I mean, in terms of, uh, you know, I, I ha- I'm playing him currently in um, the Monday-Thursday games. So, yes, is the short okay. answer to that. Uh, I don't know how crazy I'm going to go Monday through uh, Thursday through Monday. I don't know how cra- I just I'm not a guy who regularly rosters Jonathan Stewart. I'm surprised when Jonathan Stewart and Frank Gore end up having big games, but the matchup makes sense. Speaking of Frank Gore, I actually don't mind him this week. If I, it, you know, my favorite running backs and guys that I'm going to, you know, switch between are probably going to be Le'Veon Bell, Ezekiel Elliott, Spencer Ware, Theo Riddick. Frank Gore, Isaiah Crowell, Rob Kelly, and um, James Starks. Those are going to be the guys I mostly bounce back and forth. And, and I do I, – I, yeah, those are going to be the guys I pretty much use this week. 
Anyone that makes you like a little bit shocked or surprised within that? Not really. Kelly, the thing with Rob Kelly is he doesn't seem to be a uh, shake-and-bake guy. He's just a guy that, because I think he was a fullback in college, was he not? I don't really remember him in college. Well, he seems to be a guy that he's going to get what's there. The only thing I'll say is he doesn't have a lot of uh, getting knocked backwards. We've seen the last two weeks he's put up okay numbers. I don't think he's going to be a guy that's going to get you one of those you know, 30-point games where you've got three touchdowns and 100-some yards and everything. Rob Kelly is going to be valuable for what he is, but at $5,400, which I just looked at, I didn't realize he was that cheap. That might not actually be a bad option uh, because I think point-wise you're going to get what you pay for. So, And Matt Jones and, and Chris Thompson, mm, I don't know if they're going to be really into, stu- into discussion because Gruden has pretty much said Rob Kelly is the back. Um, I will well, say in terms Jones wasn't even active this week. Well, yeah, he, w- he wasn't active and uh, Gruden had said that you can only have three running backs and you need special teams and you don't need – uh, this it, he basically a nice way of saying hey thanks for coming. Right, he's uh, an asshole and he fumbles a lot, so we don't want to have a guy who's putting the ball on the field all the time. <laughs> well, that's one way to word it, I guess. But but yeah, that's the, yeah. I, I always approach situations with tact and diplomacy. Well, that's that's why uh, we love you so much. I say we like we're a twenty man organization here. Yeah. Um, who is another guy that uh, maybe? El Cheapo, I'll, I'll give you my options because I am thrifty in life and in daily fantasy. The Buffalo, or excuse me, the Cincinnati running backs, Gio Bernard and Jeremy Hill. Is there any uh, idea of starting them? Jeremy Hill, or excuse me, Gio Bernard has been steadily going downhill the last three weeks, and uh, as is actually Jeremy, or let me try that again. Jeremy Hill and Gio Bernard have gone downhill the last few weeks. But uh, we have seen some pretty impressive things from Jeremy Hill this year. So uh, I'm that's gonna really pa- I'm going to pass on both of those guys. Not 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 going to throw one in there just to, uh, to give it a go. No, I, I kind of live by the mantra that I'd rather I'd rather see them blow up and be like, I wish I did, as opposed to play them. And because you figure you've got two running back positions on Fanduel. So if I put Giovanni Bernard and he catches two passes for 15 yards again, I've wasted a position. That and is true. I, I just I I just don't I personally don't see it there. I, I would well, prefer to look other places. Well, I'll tell you, staying on that same team and transitioning maybe into wide receiver at this point, a guy that uh, I will start and a guy that I really really like this week uh, is AJ Green. Uh, seven passes for 68 yards and a touchdown uh, against the Giants. But Green is still second in receiving yards, third in catches, and I think he continues being A.J. Green against the Buffalo Bills. Yep, don't hate it. No question about it. I definitely see him as being someone who, at the very least, I think he makes a good catch game play. I think he's got a pretty safe floor. And he also has a pretty good ceiling, so I don't think you lose by rolling with A.J. Green. Um, you know, I think I think after a slow f- first half of the season, I think we can really see some big things out of Odell Beckham. So I'm there with him. 
Uh, Antonio Brown has me a little bit kind of quandary because part of me thinks that there's going to be so much attention paid to Le'Veon Bell this week that it might be plus EV to go with Brown because maybe less people will be looking at him. But he's such a diminutive force on the field that I don't foresee him being under that price. So... Um. I could I can get behind that. Uh, I just I, I I don't know. I I mean I don't want to chase and and he did definitely have a very 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 big game last week. You know he had, he had 18 targets for 14 catches and 154 yards. This outing was his second biggest of the year. But I I for some reason do feel like we're chasing points. So you know I don't necessarily want to go that route. I just want to make a point to say, uh, screw you, Eli Manning, you douche face. For uh, you, Dalton, and Shepard, I was up by 30, 40 points, and I ended up losing because of those three. So nuts to them. Uh, well, how do you feel about the Green Bay wide receivers? We've got Jordy Nelson, uh, Devontae Adams, and I believe Randall Cobb is healthy? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm fine with Nelson and, and, and Adams um, at this point. I think we've known all along that, that Nelson was Rodgers' top option. It just came down to a situation where um, he wasn't performing, so it kind of got shifted over to Randall Cobb. So I don't hate that. I prefer – I mean, I'm just kind of looking at what I have here and some guys I'm potentially interested in. Allen Robinson, um, he's sucked this year. And he was, the, he was a guy who made it onto my – um, you know, busts list, both he and Blake Bortles. And I think all things considered, he will end up being a bust this year, but this matchup against Detroit, as well as the trajectory he's on, lets me know that I think he's a good enough play. Uh, I'll look a little bit at Kelvin Benjamin. I will look. I will continue to look at Stephon Diggs because he's just a target monster. Doug Baldwin is probably my favorite pick of the week because he's extremely cheap. And maybe I'm being unrealistic, and I mentioned this when we talked about quarterbacks, but I'm reasonably convinced it's going to be another five weeks of, like, 15 touchdown passes between Doug Baldwin and Russell Wilson. Uh, I'll rock Golden Tate. Um, I'll take a look at, I guess maybe I don't have many that, that many people uh, definitely staying away from Cameron Meredith. I feel like that could end up being the trap of the week. They're in a good matchup. But I just have no faith in Jay Cutler. I'll look at Tyreek Hill. He's priced very nicely. And, you know, after catching 10 passes, um, I'd like to think that he is a pretty safe option in this Kansas City awful pass offense. Uh, that's probably where I will limit. I mean, you know, you start to get some guys like Tavon Austin that are ridiculously cheap. And eventually, I mean, he's had a couple of good games, so you know the possibility is always there. Uh, that's probably where I'll stop. Well, you know, uh, this will, uh, I guess, be possibly known, but as of our recording, I just got the word. Uh, Christine Michael has been waived. So, what? Uh, yes, Christine Michael has been waived. So if you listened to my, uh, excuse me, our waiver wire podcast, uh, Christine Michael no longer a so if C.A. Purchase is available in that league, you better uh, get off the pot here, buddy. I gotta admit, that is a little bit shocking. I didn't see him uh, getting waived. 
but it is what it is. Did I mention? Did I did I move past anyone that you thought would be a viable pickup? No, uh, I don't know why. Maybe it's just because of the last two weeks I have, but I've kind of I'm down on a little bit on players. It seems normally I'm willing to take a risk, but I want to try more so than normal to get at least one, maybe even two quality wide receivers because of the PPR um, aspect of it. So maybe it's just me. No, nope, it happens. Uh, moving on to tight end, Rob Gronkowski may or may not be dead. I'm not sure. Someone uh, told me he's either been punctured in the chest or nothing has happened whatsoever. So I, I love news reports like that where you're like, okay, he's either severely injured or he's not. I will say one thing about Rob Gronkowski. One, one of my favorite players just always seems to be a happy guy. If it comes out that he actually does have a punctured lung and played through that game, one, wow, that takes some balls. And two, the NFL really needs to come up with some kind of way to better see injuries. I mean, that's that's a potentially life-threatening injury of a punctured lung and playing through it. Granted, we don't know what's going on. So, um, tight end, I'll just ask flat out, uh, possibly... Jordan Reed, Jimmy Graham, Delaney Walker. Is there anybody else you're going to take? Uh, uh, maybe Martellus Bennett, although I think his ownership is going to be through the roof. Anybody else you're thinking about going after? Yeah, I mean, I'll have a, a fair share of Martellus Bennett just because we, if, if, if Gronk ends up being out, we know that Tom Brady loves to use his tight ends. And they waived A.J. Derby, which I do view as an actual mistake. I think that was a big-time big, big time mistake on their part. Um, I'm kind of looking more towards the direction. I mean, I, I know that Tyler, Eifert, or Tyler Travis Kelsey was an absolute depressing player this weekend, but I'd go back there. I think Tyler Eifert may, might be one of my favorites at the position. You've got Cameron Brait also in a good position. So those those would probably be the guys that I kind of huddle around most this week. I might, and, and just looking through it now, I might, uh, you could convince me to go with a uh, Cameron break against uh, Kansas City. Their defense has not been this year as uh, it has been in the past. So, and he is on an upward trajectory. So I would, I would be at 5,600, be comfortable with Cameron great as well. So just to right. throw that in there. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely there with you 100% altogether. Um, moving on to defenses. I mean, look, I'm just, I'm just kind of like scanning what we have here. And I'd probably go Kansas City against Tampa Bay at home. I'd, I'd definitely go the Giants against Chicago at home. Seattle against Philadelphia. And New England against San Francisco. That's probably the route that I would go for defense. I, def- I definitely do love me some uh, some New England. I might go – I know I said Dallas was injured. I mentioned this in the waiver, uh, I believe. But – or Morris Claiborne, I should say, is injured. Uh, not Dallas. The, uh, the actual- whole the whole defense is all injured. <laughs> well, if Robert Ryan was there, I might say their defense is handicapped. But uh, against Baltimore, Baltimore not putting up stellar offensive numbers. Twentieth, twenty uh, fifth, excuse me, in total offense. So I'm 
if I'm going El Cheapo, which I tend to do, I might go Dallas. Um, so nobody else there. If you have any other thoughts, I'm definitely willing to hear it. But I have a very important question for you. Ask it. And I need to ask this because from what I understand, Todd Bowles has been noncommittal, but we've gone through Geno Smith. We've gone through Ryan Fitzpatrick. We're looking at Bryce Petty. BC Steel, do not ask me this question. I don't. will just say, I won't say the name, but could it happen this year? I don't think so. I mean, you can't really – I don't think you could You could just go that direction off of one body of work. You have to you – ha, you definitely have to be a little smarter and give a guy an opportunity. And the Rams aren't an awful defense. So, you know, you put Bryce Petty out there against a defense that's not horrible in his first start. Like, you can't expect Dak Prescott-like numbers. Also, Petty was an end-of-the-draft pick. Wasn't something that they were like, oh, let's spend our first-round pick on Bryce Petty. That's that's not how that situation went. So, I I think we're still... Could we see it in Week 17? Absolutely. If, if the Jets are still floundering at that point, yes, I do think we could see him in, in Week 17. I don't think we're going to see him sooner. So you're saying, I, I like that you included if the Jets are floundering in Week 17. Yeah, it turns out that Rob Ryan was the only thing that held that team together. <laughs> well, wait, Rex Ryan coached the Jets. Well, whoever the hell coached them. Whatever Ryan. You know, you know what, at this, point, uh, at this point it might as well be Rob Ryan because... Uh, as we see the coaching carousel, Todd Bowles may not have but one more year, if that, uh, if the team continues to play like they are. Right. So any, uh, I will now throw the question to you. Any final thoughts, and let's make some bold predictions. Oh, that's tough. Uh, the Todd Gurley won't make me regret life. <laughs> okay, then. I will. <laughs> wow. We, to, for listeners, we didn't talk about this before, and I actually had a bold prediction that was somewhat similar to how you worded it. Not Todd Gurley, but I was going to uh, say that Brock Osweiler will not make owners hate themselves. So that that's kind of close to what we were uh, what we were talking there. So, well, I already hate Brock Osweiler, so well, I'm going to hate I, myself I, even more if I play him. I went kind of rough last year. Oh, I'm not going to play him. I'm just saying if if you're one of those people that tries to take the cheapest quarterback you possibly can and and then just load up at other positions, which uh, I'm sure that theory makes you money. I've tried it a couple times, and it normally makes me uh, feel as bad as Brock Osweiler just without the $18 million per year. Well, sentence. yeah, I mean, you're not going to have success like that if the quarterback sucks. Well, so. you know what? I, I will say it has it has done okay but unfortunately, it it doesn't. You're not going to get a high uh, rate, high number from your quarterback right. points at that point. Another bold prediction I'm going to make, um, and this is, I guess, just for the division uh, here through the rest of the year. We can bookmark this and come back to it. Whoever wins the AFC North, at best, will be 500. That's the prediction I'm making. So you're th- you're saying the Browns are still in it. Uh, the Browns were eliminated after week three. Well, I thought that they're aren't they zero and nine? They're they're zero uh, and ten. 
Oh, shit. Okay, I thought they were 0-9. I was like, well, 7-9, that might get it done. You know the whole concept of C's get degrees? (laughs) 0-10 gets it done for the Browns. C's get degreed. You never heard that? (laughs) I have never heard that. Wow, C's get degrees, folks. Just remember that. Oh, man. And and double D's get... Ah, uh, never mind. We're, we're, we're just going to move on from that. I agree. I don't really have any of that too many more bold predictions. I mean, I'm just scanning the games to try to come up with something. I'm going to say that Theo Riddick, Golden Tate, and Eric Ebron all exceed five times value. Uh, no, I, I don't. That's This isn't basketball. What am I talking about? I think that they'll all have good games against Jacksonville. I've pretty much given up on Marvin Jones. I mean, he won me a lot of money in, like, week two and week three, but it, it's pretty clear that his day is done. I can envision Jalen Ramsey being on him, and he's played very well. I think that the way to d- attack Jacksonville is going to be through the middle of the field, which is going to allow the three guys I mentioned to eat. Well, hopefully they can eat. And hopefully they can uh, put money on their table, money on their table, or food. You know what? I hope all their families eat money because why not? Uh, Thanksgiving's coming up. I know we have a podcast next week. But for anybody who uh, celebrates early, because I know there are people that celebrate the weekend before, happy Thanksgiving. And I know you normally say this, so I'm going to get to say it. Nick, where can they find you? They can find me on Facebook. I'm trying to like do uh, a, a rhyme or something. It's not working. So you can find me on Facebook at Research Fantasy. Find us on Twitter. We love to tweet at Research and Win. Find us online at ResearchFantasy.com. We're adding things every day to make you a better daily fantasy and season-long sports player. BC Steel, roll it out. Well, I was going to have a rhyme myself. I am a freestyler. Uh, but I can only think of one word to rhyme with Twitter. To keep it PG, we'll just move on. One SF Podcast, that's on Twitter and Facebook. The number one SF Podcast, One Step Forward Podcast, where I talk about my life in professional wrestling. And I go on regular rants on the Twitter and the Facebook. I have t-shirts, buy them. And you too will uh, see increased sexual stamina. Uh, lower blood pressure and a distrust for squirrels. Note, none of those things come from buying one of my shirts. And we can't reprise the theme song and roll the credits, but we can turn out the lights because this party's over. <laughs>